everybody, and welcome back to Opera Off Stage. I'm Jesse, and I'm Michelle, and this is our spooky episode. And I am so excited. We are going to be talking about spooky operas, why there aren't very many spooky operas, and a couple horror movies that we'd love to see made into operas. But first, we've got a couple of announcements. Um, yes, hello. My announcement is that I'm so excited that it's finally October. Like, I'm just so happy. (laughs) So true. (laughs) I'm ready for all the fall festivities, even though it's been literally 90 plus degrees in California, but I'm feeling spooky nonetheless. Actual announcements for you guys. Our social media ebook is on sale. It's in our shop. You can check it out on our website, opera-offstage.com, and that's going to be on sale for $9 until October 15th, so definitely take advantage of that introductory sale. We also have a role study guide that's coming out next week, which is really awesome. Um, I know a lot of us are prepping different roles and just trying to stay busy and, you know, trying to keep our resumes full as we are in quarantine. So Jesse and I have put together a really awesome document that I think is going to really help you guys out with your role study process. And that comes out next week. And we're also going to be hopping back on IG Live. So look out for information on that on our Instagram. We're super excited. We played Who's That Composer in the style of Who's That Pokemon? And we gave out some prizes. It was a lot of fun. So thanks to everybody who tuned in. And this month, we also have our Opera Watch Party coming out on Friday, October 16th. That's going to be at our usual time, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, and it's going to be spooky themed, obviously. So you guys, if you're new to our opera watch parties, you guys get to vote on what we're watching. And then this month, we're going to be moving it onto Discord so that we can chat, freak out about high notes, feel the spook and spookiness together. And it's going to be a really, really great time. And lastly, if you guys are listening to us on the Apple Podcasts app right now, stop what you're doing, swipe up. And please leave us a rating review. It helps new people find us. And trust me, people want to experience spookiness over at Opera Offstage this month. So tell your friends about us. Leave us a rating and review. It really helps. We've got some really fun stuff to talk about today. But first, I need to do, I have to talk about the article that Michelle tagged me in the other day. The scariest thing (laughs) to happen so far in October. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly terrifying. Truly a way to to kick off the month of October. So Vox wrote an article about opera in, in the pandemic. And in the episode, or in the article, they talk about Anna Netrebko catching COVID. And I wish her the best. I hope she recovers. I know that I trash talk Anna Netrebko a lot, but I don't wish her anything ill. However, this article called her the Beyonce of opera. And I cannot abide by that. That's insane. Y'all, I saw that like little snippet of the article once again in a Facebook group and everybody was equally as shook. And as soon as I saw that, I audibly screamed and immediately tagged Jessie because I knew that she would be so upset. And honestly, like it just kills Yeah, I'm pretty sure my comment basically said, I don't know a better way to tell people you know nothing about the opera culture than to say that Anna Netrebko is our Beyonce. Right? Like, what? It's spe- like, truly, they know nothing. And all of the run-ins with Anna Netrebko and blackface just makes this Make little... that comment so much worse. Ooh, so much worse. And also, like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. But I also propose this, because it's not that Anna Netrebko, once again, isn't talented and, like, isn't skilled at what she does. I think Anna Netrebko is our industry's Mariah Carey. 
I think she's talented and she's good at what she does, but she's got a big old ego. Yeah, Anna Netrebko, like Mariah Carey, definitely live within their own world, which is not the world that we all live in. So <laughs> I would say that that's a pretty, that's a pretty good cast. Yeah. Casting choice, like, Jesse. Some people like Anna Trepko, some people like Mariah Carey, and some people don't. Yeah, and it also, if you're going to tell me if there is a Beyonce of opera, like, it has to be the queen that is Leontine Price. I mean, come on. Ooh. Come on. Yeah. Like, just to say that Anna Netrebko is the Beyonce. Ooh. Beyonce. Beyonce. (laughs) The Beyonce of opera. Come on. But also, like, the article was written by Vox. So, like, are we really expecting much? (laughs) Yeah. That was was just such a rough moment. Yeah. They were just like, how do we talk about this singer and make it relatable to the rest of pop culture? Uh, Let's just say that she's Beyonce. An opera culture jump scare of the week. Oh, yeah, truly spooky. God, that cracked truly me Truly terrifying up. to read. <laughs> but now let's hop into talking a little bit about scary operas. Because the thing is, there, you know, when we were searching, thinking about, like, what should we do for our watch party? We, I'm kind of surprised, but there really aren't that many horror or scary operas in the world. And I think there's a lot of reasons why we don't see much horror on stage in general. It's pretty difficult to pull off horror on stage because horror really depends on a couple of, like, basic principles of how it operates. It's usually subverted expectations. You know, the classic scenes in horror movies where, you know, they look behind them and there's nothing there and then they look back forwards and there's the ghost or there's the monster. Like, you can't do that really on stage. It's much harder to pull off because you don't have the ability to control the direction that the audience sees in the way you do with film. And the other thing is that it really depends usually on the monster staying in the dark, in the shadows, mostly unseen. And that, once again, doesn't really have the same impact on stage in the same way it does in film. Because we we just don't have as much control over the sight lines and all of that. Yeah, I think that so much of horror films is the ability that a film camera has. And that you get these really, really dramatic close-up shots like I was just watching Silence of the Lambs and the most unsettling part is when Anthony Hopkins is talking to Clarice Jodie Foster and the camera is so close and the fact that he doesn't break eye contact is what makes it so absolutely terrifying and like you said on an operatic stage I mean it's just hard to get that personal zoom in you know what I mean that that is so prevalent in in horror films and it's just Everything that you can do with a camera is lost when you have a ginormous stage. So actually, when Michelle and I were in school, Anthony Hopkins came and spoke to us. He had a a talk back with the theater kids and the musical kids. And this theater kid gets up and in good faith asks the question, how do you get out of a character like that? Like, how do you, at the end of the day, you know, step out of that character and stop being the, the monster that you're playing? Anthony Hopkins basically was like, it's not that serious. I don't, he's like, I'm not a method actor. I don't really inhabit the role. He's like, I just, I just leave it there at the end of the day. I don't worry about it. (laughs) And it was this funniest question. Cause like that kid was not trying to be pretentious or anything. It just ended up coming up that way because of the, the contrast between how he asked the question and what the actual answer was. But gosh darn, did, did I not love like how relaxed Anthony Hopkins was about it. He's like, I just don't. I don't, you know, destroy myself getting in and out of character. 
Yeah. That that was <laughs> oh. wild, truly. Yeah, he and he like, used yeah. to... He used to prank the people on set, too. He'd hide in, like, the shadows of the set and start doing, like, the voices and go, Hello, Clarice. (laughs) Love Anthony Hopkins. Film has a much higher ability to control what you see and how you experience something. Whereas a stage, it's harder to really get people to inhabit the moment. Because you, you may be absorbed by a play, but rarely do we put ourselves necessarily in the position of the people in the play. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily see it as your world. Yeah. So that's why I think horror and opera tends to be pulled off in like a psychological aspect, like Bluebeard's Castle, or even in the the aria in Macbeth where she's trying to wash out the spot or the dream sequence. Like, I feel like a lot of horror is much more implied. It's not very many actual monsters in opera. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so common in, in operas to have mad scenes you know, and to watch a character become completely unhinged. And you're right, it is a different type of horror. And that psychological horror, I think, is kind of how we make up for a lot of the kind of creepiness factor in opera. And it is creepy. It's just a different type of creepy. Well, yeah. And I think I think that's also because, you know, when we make musicals or opera, a lot of it is expanding emotional moments instead of compacting them. Like, it's not an action sequence or anything like that. A lot of it is taking a moment and opening it up and going inside the character's head. That's what arias kind of do. Mm -hmm. The other option, though, on the other side of this is really grotesque visuals. That's the other big one. And, like, the two big operas I can think of for this are Salome, obviously. Um, If you don't know the story of Salome, it's a biblical story where she... She ends up doing some stuff with John the Baptist's disembodied head. I won't go too into detail, but... You get the idea. It's a it's it's a head. And then there's Electra, which very similarly just follows like basically a slaughter. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen Salome, but I have seen Electra, and it's a very bloody opera. And that that actually probably is the only opera I've seen live that was kind of like a horror opera. And once again, I don't know that I would say I was scared. It was it's more like just overwhelming. Yeah, and then especially when these types of grotesque operas are <laughs> taken over by Regitata. Uh, directors <laughs> then we're really going into some <laughs> into some you weird know what, areas though? <laughs> i don't see much about any regie theater uh productions of some of these because i feel like regie theater thrives off of turning shows that aren't like this into shows like this and so when it comes to shows that are already written that way i feel like they don't necessarily they aren't as interested yeah that's true i guess because like the the choice is not necessarily theirs as the director to make it that way it already exists within the score and the libretto so and i think those types of directors especially like the more just shock value type directors are probably really like you said looking to input that opinion and that desire to create something like that into operas that are not naturally like that oh yeah the only one that i can really think of that is more of a typical like ghost story is turn of the screw which is benjamin Britten. And that was the only one I can think of that has, like, a very typical horror plot. Because, like I said, Blueberry's Castle, I would say, actually, is a pretty typical horror plot, but doesn't involve necessarily the the typical ghost story aspect that I'm talking about. Because Turn of the Screw is very literally a ghost story. Like, that's the book. Like, Turn of the Screw is literally, like, what you would watch as a film on Halloween. <laughs> like, that's what that is. Yeah, no, it's a very classic ghost story plot. And I... Once again, I don't know that I would hear... I Now, 
I haven't seen Turn of the Screw. I'll fully admit that. <laughs> but once again, I don't know that horror on stage has the same impact. Like, like I said, I don't know that when I saw Electra, I was necessarily scared, horrified in, in the sense of like, what you're seeing on stage is kind of shocking, yes. But like, I'm not scared in the way that like scary movies scare me. Yeah, you're not going to leave the opera and be like looking behind your back or like checking out that dark corner. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I think you're totally right because we don't necessarily, I mean, maybe very, very skilled directors have been able to find ways to do this. But when you're watching a scary opera, you don't feel like you personally are in danger in the way that a lot of horror films make you feel while you're watching the film and especially after because you are watching these scary things very at a distance happen to other characters on stage so there's not that high risk factor where you're literally leaving the audience kind of freaked out for your own safety you know yeah I think it's the struggle of opera in general to get people to get themselves absorbed in the world because obviously when you break something with a song there's always going to be the danger of losing people (laughs) And so incorporating horror into that, especially when you are typically singing very pretty music, it's very tricky. You know what? Actually, I would also I would also say Moby Dick has some horror aspects as Captain Ahab loses his mind. That's a great opera, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So, I so about. good. I think this is where small and especially immersive opera companies can thrive though i think that a lot of the issues that we're talking about are like i'm thinking like you know la opera met stage like there's only so much you can do that that distance from you as an audience member to the people on stage can be so large but i think for smaller and especially immersive opera companies I do think that it's way more possible to pull off some of the film effects that we're talking about when it is an immersive production or even just a smaller, more intimate venue that maybe doesn't have such a strong fourth wall. I think you could definitely have a good time with that. I would love a one act opera haunted house. Heck yeah. You would just have to make sure that it wouldn't be like cheesy. You know what I mean? Like it would just have to be like very well thought out and staged very well because I feel like it could get super kind of like shows where you're eating dinner and like actors are doing stuff around you but you're kind of just like okay or at least that's the way I feel in those situations like it would have to not be that yeah I think what you would really have to do is a you'd have to be careful about the language in terms of like there's not going to be super titles there can't be super titles So you you have to make sure that whatever they're singing or saying is intelligible. But I think I think there's definitely the ability to tell the story as you go along. I think there's a there's opportunity there. You're right. It would be very difficult to pull off and not have it be kind of cheesy. But even then, I think I'd even go for a cheesy one. Why not? Just try it. But I think mm-hmm. there's something there because there is something about the sound of opera and stuff that does give people haunted feelings. When you look in film a lot classical music is often used to denote evil characters it often follows villains like moriarty or whoever i remember one of the my first experiences with that was like the robert downey jr um sherlock holmes because they use don giovanni to cue off the fact that he's going to die because he's the bad guy and don giovanni also dies at the end of the opera but they also use a schubert piece while he tortures sherlock holmes so anyway, what my point is that classical music in some way in our psyche is related to horror music, especially when you start to 
take it and insert dissonance. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if anybody else is fans of the show Daredevil on Netflix, but Wilson Fisk, who's like this crazy crime boss who's very composed and very intelligent and then will literally like do something horrendous five seconds later. There's this one incredible scene where he's like fitting a suit. I think like either before or after he's just killed someone and he's listening and I'll have to go back and watch it but he's listening to like a soprano aria and it's like the craziest scene ever. I love I love that. I think it's I think it's cool. Some people are like why is opera always like for villains or in scary movies but I think it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. One day we'll do a breakdown of like opera and film and why some of the reasons it's usually associated with evil. <laughs> Um, But I would say that is opera's power is actually that one of the most important elements of horror, even in film, is the sound. If you turn off the sound in a horror movie, it's not actually that scary anymore. So to be fair, opera movies also benefit from from taking music and using it to their benefit. Yeah, I think, though, I like the idea of a shorter Gary opera only because I don't know if my ears could handle a three hour opera in that soundscape. Yeah, I would say it would probably benefit from being a little more relaxed. Like an hour and a half, two hours max. Yeah. But I like the idea of like a one act, one hour opera. I think could be super effective, effectively chilling. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also going to throw in there, there are actually quite a few. That was the, I was like, I don't actually know because I haven't been in the musical theater world in a hot second. Um, I don't know how many horror musicals there are. And there are actually quite a number. First of all, first one that popped up when I was searching was Sweeney Todd, which mm. once again, great musical. I love Sweeney Todd. Everything about my Tim Burton loving soul loves the idea of Sweeney Todd. And I don't know how people feel about the film, but I like the movie. So fight me. Um, but once again, I don't know that Sweeney Todd scares me. Yeah. I would say that's the closest I could think, though, to, like, an actual scary musical. Um, another one that came up is Rocky Horror, but Rocky Horror is meant to be camp. Yeah. Um, and I think it does camp very, very well. I've never seen the musical Carrie. I've seen the movie. I know the book. (laughs) And then there's an American Psycho musical, which I had no clue. I had no idea they had made that into a musical. And I'm very curious as to how you pull that off because there's a lot of, there's a lot of killing in that. Yeah. I don't know how you pull it off well on stage because it's pretty brutal. Yeah. That is interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that. So yeah, there are scary musicals, but I don't know if I would consider them actually. Once again, I don't know if they cross that boundary into like, I feel scared when I leave this. Yeah. No. (laughs) I think it's just. No. No. Yeah. I don't think so. But I don't think that those are any of those are necessarily supposed to be like horrifying anyways, you know? Yeah, once again, well Rocky Horror once again is definitely something that's like definitely supposed to be camp. Like it's not meant to be Yeah. Not meant to scar you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean Carrie and American Psycho I think are interesting because those are like actual horror movies. Mhm. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting to take those and adapt them for the stage because, like, Carrie is a scary movie. I mean, it's not the scariest, like, Stephen King movie ever, but um, it definitely is freaky. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about, though, like, what are some of the ways you think, obviously, we've talked about time. Like, obviously, there's there's only so much of a suspension of disbelief you can do for something horrifying. Mm -hmm. And so... I agree with you that, like, doing a shorter opera for something scary is probably going to be a more effective tool. But, like, is there anything else you can think of to make 
opera scarier. I I kind of, and this could completely be my own ignorance, and maybe things like this do exist. I'm just not aware of them. But I'm surprised that there aren't more people doing this genre within opera film. Oh. Because that seems like if we want to do this, that's the best option, right? Yeah. Because then you get all of the advantages of having a camera do so much of the storytelling for you in an operatic setting. And I think that that could be really, really cool because then you don't really necessarily have to give up any of the the advantages of having a camera, you know? Yeah. Number one for me is you have to let people actually scream. (gasps) Not sing, scream. That's my favorite. I've had to scream for every single role that I think I've ever done. (laughs) Um, And it's my favorite thing ever. I don't know why, but it's so fun. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if you make people sing, scream, like, you're never going to get the eye. Nah. Yeah. Also, there is absolutely nothing more chilling than hearing somebody actually scream in person. Because I think we've been desensitized to that. Because how often do you actually, hopefully it's not often at all, or it never happens, where you actually hear somebody scream and, and they sound terrified. We, we get so used to hearing that through a speaker that when somebody actually screams in person, it, it literally sends shivers down your spine. It's so effective. Yeah. I also was thinking about like different ways you could make people uncertain. <laughs> Here's the thing. Generally speaking, in a in an opera house or in a theater, you don't want to make people really concerned for their own safety. But in order to make horror work, people kind of have to be concerned for their own safety. And I kept thinking, I was like, I think you have to start doing things that people don't expect to happen. Like, I think you have to shut off the lights completely. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking about, I was like, things coming in and out of the pit that aren't supposed to come in and out of the pit. <gasps> the conductor disappearing. Like, things that would be off-putting and having people on stage react like it's not supposed to be happening okay wait i i actually like literally just got goosebumps about thinking of somebody like an actor crawling up out of the pit is like the actually oh my god (laughs) yikes that would spook me so bad nothing's ever supposed to come out of the pit which would mean there would be some some osha issues i'm sure but at the same time, like if so, if like if you were gonna do something with monsters or demons or zombies and they were coming crawling up out of the pit, and if you used people who are like dancers or acrobats and stuff to do it so that they could be really freaky, like that would scare the crap out of me. <gasps> okay, I don't know if anybody else is gonna get this reference, but USC they did a production several years ago of Don Giovanni, and actually this it kind of went a little bit viral on YouTube because it's just the weirdest thing you've ever seen. But the statue is made up of dancers in these like gray skin tight suits. And they are all wrapped around the statue. And then like when Don Giovanni is like being dragged to hell, they like peel off of the statue and they like crawl onto him and start kind of like dragging him but also like kind of zombie-ish like it kind of looks like they're like scratching him see but that's good because it should be horrifying to be dragged to hell 100 percent. it's the weirdest thing when you watch it because it's so like i've never seen anything like it before it's definitely a take on it i thought it was really interesting but can you imagine if people in like skin tight suits started crawling out of the pit i think i would generally have genuinely have a heart attack that would be the scariest thing 
I'm literally like nervous just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Like, but that's what I want. I want people to be like, oh no, oh no. Yeah. Like, ooh. And so I think you have to, and like I said, not literally concerned for their safety, but I think people should be off-put and unsettled. And that's why I was like, lights going off freaks people out. Conductor disappearing freaks people out. Like, there should be stuff that, like, should make them uncertain of what's going on. Like I said, things coming in and out of the pit. I just love that idea. I think also taking advantage of silence would be very interesting and having spoken, like, dialogue, basically. Yeah, I think you would need dialogue. I don't think you could have a fully sung through horror opera because I think the spoken dialogue brings a lot to it. Yeah, I think the the sung recit would have to be very well placed and serve a purpose. Another thing you don't see in these horror operas nearly enough, except for Turn of the Screw, um, children. Children singing is always scary. It just is. Yeah, I don't know why kids are creepy. Listen, you you slow down a children's song, you put it in a minor key, you're set. Um, (laughs) But imagine if, like, the lights shut out and you heard a a children's choir from the back of the theater. Yeah. Like, singing in dissonance. Yeah. Well, I look forward to producing this horror opera of ours. (laughs) But I will say this, like, I didn't put them... So, we're about to pitch some operas to you guys. Or we're about to pitch some horror movies as operas to you guys. But I was going to say, I didn't put a zombie movie in here, but I did think long and hard about that because that was the original intent for my idea of like people crawling in another pit was like, I love the idea of a zombie opera. And I think there are ways that in which you could really pull that off. But I also love the idea of an opera chorus that can't make intelligible words. Explain. Well, zombies, generally speaking, don't speak. Oh, and oh, so the idea zombies. that you would have your opera chorus, obviously, I'd want there to be some people who are like, like I said, like acrobats and stuff, people who can make their body contort in weird ways, because that's the other aspect I think that kind of has to happen. But the idea that you would have like this moaning, groaning chorus to use as like a soundscape is really cool to me. Yeah. I think it actually opens up the door for some really interesting music. Mm hmm. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A zombie opera would be very interesting. I just think that it would be super hard to pull off well. But, like, I feel like you'd have to have a pretty crazy budget to make it. Hear me out. I don't think you would because I don't think... I think what you'd have is pretty much a very small cast. Yeah. And what you'd be dealing with was less of, like, trying to escape, trying to travel from one place to another, and more with dealing with the impending doom in a, in a captured space. Hmm. So people dealing with the fact that they're trapped. Awesome. In which case you do have space to <laughs> you have space to deal with characters dealing with relationships and dealing with like what it means to die and what it means to be trapped and like is there hope is there no hope. There's a lot you can do there even just on the regular emotional scale of what opera is. Yeah, that's true. And if you keep them trapped in one place, you actually settle a lot of the money issues. That's true. That brings definitely the psychological horror into the picture. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot there that you could you could get at and I think there's a, a lot of ways in which to make it less campy and more more terrifying. Yeah. I'd agree. So what's a what's a what's a film you're feeling? What what film do you okay, think would make so, a good scary opera? So Michelle and I have both chosen two horror movies to adapt as operas and we are going to pitch them. This is something we've been doing for our minisodes on our Patreon, but for the spooky episode, we just had to bring it here. Oh, yeah. However, if you'd like to hear us talk about Batman the Opera, go check out our Patreon. Oh, my God. Our greatest work. <laughs> yeah. What was supposed to be like a 10-minute episode ended up being about 30. But <laughs> um, 
So anyway, so my first one, when I was trying to think of like, what could you make work and what would have some really interesting ideas was Get Out. Oh, such a good movie. Oh, So it's such a good movie. There are action sequences in it, but I don't think they're impossible to pare down and put on an opera stage. But when I was thinking about some of the stuff you could do for Get Out, because Get Out does live in like the psychological horror world as well. 100%. And what I loved was there's a lot of weird cultural moments in there because obviously there's kind of like the weird plantation aspect of where they live. There's a lot you could do with traditional Southern music, both hymns and spirituals and all of that to adapt it into something really, really freaky. And then, of course, you've got the teacup thing, which also you could use Tibetan singing bowls and stuff like that to make those sounds. And I once again, I just think the sounds you could bring out of that and the like the hymns and spirituals i just want to see someone try and adapt that but not only that if you've watched get out and if you haven't like skip forward a couple minutes um but they're when they go into the sunken place i thought how cool of an aspect to have them sitting on a stage if you had something like the met stage where you would have the ability to do this but if he went into the sunken place and you just pull the set pieces off the stage and so everything's just black around them sitting in the chairs oh and you could use projections as well. Yeah. I was going to say that would be really sick, actually. Well, that that's a super cool idea. I think the other way that you could pull it off is he's sitting in his chair. And then, yeah, projections just turn like almost like a wave over the stage and everything just turns black. And you still exactly. see like very faint outlines of where everything is. And then it just the, the wave of the lights recedes when he comes out of it would be the trippiest thing ever. Oh, yeah, I just feel like actually because there are, there are only a couple action sequences in that you could definitely work around it. Yeah, I think that I think that projections and opera can be cool if done well. I mean, you know, there's that production of Les Mis that uses all those projections and I think in some in some aspects it works. So I think in some of those action sequences you could just have projections helping with the movement. Well, yeah. I mean, even the scene where he's watching, where he's watching the guy talk about the process he's about to go through mm-hmm. um, when he's strapped to the chair. Yeah. Like, even that, I just imagine how incredible that would have been as an aria. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Ooh, I want to watch Get Out now. That's such a good film. One of my, I really like, like this horror film. I think The Conjuring would be a very interesting oh. psychological horror opera, mostly because it is a little bit of like a slow burn. And it it would be a little bit of a, a challenge to figure out how you are watching these special effects. But the nice thing is, like, you don't really see much of it. So it would just be a lot of, like, set pieces moving and a lot of just kind of, like, entering the realm of kind of, like, magic tricks on stage, which I think would be really, really interesting and would be cool because then you could actually have kids in an opera and that already heightens the spook factor. But I think the, like, final kind of possession at the end would make the craziest aria when the mom gets possessed she's like strapped in the chair would be the craziest aria ever and i think if you cast it as like some insanely high coloratura soprano would be like absolutely terrifying and I think with, like, really crazy orchestration, I think would be absolutely wild. I think that's actually a good one for, like, an opera film. I think so, too. In order of, like, I think you could still really pull it off. And I think also, as much as I would love to see more special effects work on stage and, like, how you would adapt that, I also think it'd make a great opera film. 
I think so too. Because that that show is so intimate. And I think there's something to be said about the fact that like the kids are experiencing things and like everybody else is kind of like, ah, that's weird. I think could also make for some really interesting psychological horror on stage. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you went really, you went straight into the horror movie. (laughs) I like the big spook. The big spook. This was this was actually a, a slightly difficult challenge for me because there are very few horror movies I've actually watched all the way through because I'm a big old chicken. Oh, I am like the psychopath who will watch scary movies by myself. So <laughs> that's me. I like scary movies. I've been I've gotten more into it now than I was when I was younger, but yeah. I mean I mean that's the joy in it. I am actually very easily scared, and so scary stuff just hits me really, really hard. Mm-hmm. It's a good and a bad thing. Horror movie games, video games cannot, cannot function. Oh, yeah. Those are big stress. Wow. Talk about like high stakes. <laughs> yeah. But that's that's the we're getting back into that aspect of the thing that makes a horror video game so much scarier than even a horror movie is the fact that you actually do have to interact with the world. Mm-hmm. Even if you're physically safe, you feel the panic because you have to make choices. Yeah. You have to make decisions instantly. It's literally survival. Yeah. You know? Oh, that's so interesting to me, the idea of doing the conjuring. It would be interesting to see how you build up to the final scene, but I just think that the final possession scene, if done right, would be the craziest, most unforgettable piece of theater, like, to watch. And I think, like, I I can just imagine my heart feeling heavy leaving. You know what I mean? Like, I just think that Regardless of what happens in the beginning, as long as it's like a slow burn to the end would just be so powerful and so absolutely terrifying. Ooh, yeah. You ready for my next one? Yes. So I chose for my next one. Do you know the Stephen King book or movie, Misery? No, I'm not familiar. Okay. That's what I thought. It's not a super well... I mean, it's well known for anyone who likes Stephen King, but like, I wouldn't say people think of the horror movie all the time. Basic plot is there's a woman who finds her favorite author. He's crashed on the side of the road and she holds him hostage. Yikes. But I think what makes this so good is, A, there's no supernatural aspects to this. It is purely a psychological horror. Number two, it's actually a very small cast. Because largely you're just seeing the two of them interact. And then there's a couple other people you run into over the course of the movie. Um, there's a sheriff and a couple other people. So she's a, she's a nurse and she's taking care of him after he breaks his legs in a car accident. But she's his biggest fan. She's obsessed with him. Okay. But anyway, she reads his new book and she hates it because he kills off the main character who she identifies with. So she forces him to... Uh, write us another book that brings her back to life. And then he finds out that she might have been involved with the deaths of a bunch of infants at the hospital she worked at. He finds the newspaper clippings. Okay. Anyway, over the course of this, he she realizes he's sneaking out of his room, and there's a horrifying scene where she... Do you know what hobbling is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she hobbles him. She takes a sledgehammer, and she puts a brick between his feet, and she hobbles him. Um, I'll never forget that scene for as long as I live, but that's an entirely, that's a scene you could entirely do on stage with stagecraft easily. But I think the reason this works so well as an opera is because it's once again, psychological, largely, there's no aspect of it that really requires a ton of special effects or a ton of anything. And so I think 
the back and forth between the two characters would be, it would have to be a shorter opera just because once again, it's hard to carry an opera if you've just got two people singing the whole time, though there are operas that do that. But I think going back and forth in the relationship between these two people and the unveiling of these secrets would be so cool. Yeah, be- that that would be cool for the audience because they're finding out this information, obviously, at the same time as the characters are, which I think always is or can be unnerving. Even the movie's only like an hour and a half. So it's not actually even a long movie, which means making it a, a shorter opera wouldn't even be that hard. But also, I think I think that it would be good to bring the Stephen King fans into the fold, into the opera world. Uh, probably, I, I, I mean, I might be speaking too quickly, but probably the easier, easiest Stephen King novel to bring into, into music, even though they've already done that with Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, the idea of, of getting into, like, the captured psychology and the back and forth and and there's multiple escape attempts and everything and like I said that hobbling scene will forever be stuck in my mind it just destroys me when I think about it because I think I saw that scene very young awesome (laughs) oh my gosh yeah I'm not describing it as well as I, I had hoped but that is I think I think that's probably to me one of the easiest horror books to turn into an opera yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, of the music I associate with it, but I think the nice thing about that film is that I actually don't think of the music that much. So I think it's pretty much a blank slate for people to put whatever they want into the music for that. Although I will say this, the actress who plays Annie Wilkes uh, is Kathy Bates, who is an incredible actress, but I can't unknow Kathy Bates as a mezzo. Like, I, she's just a mezzo to me. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Very interesting. Uh, Well, my final offering is twofold, I suppose, in that... So I I recently, like last week, just watched Silence of the Lambs for the first time. Fantastic film. If you happen to be like me and have just not seen it yet, go watch it. Uh, I'm probably going to watch... I've only seen like bits of Hannibal before, so I'm very interested. I'm literally probably going to watch that tonight. But I think that either doing like half Silence of the Lambs or just full on Hannibal Lecter as an opera would be the most interesting thing only because I feel like the arias that Hannibal would have would be the scariest thing in life. And I think it would be really, really interesting to see how on a stage you would show his (laughs) cannibal side. And I think that it could be done in a very artistic way that's not just, like, gruesome. I'm like, once again, I'm thinking of the USC production of those people in, like, the suits. And I'm kind of imagining something like that. Maybe even, like, incorporating some weird dance into it, like, would just be, like, the most interesting thing. And I think, like, if you're going to turn anything into a psychological horror, I mean, what more do you need than that movie? Or those two movies. I'm so excited to hear Buffalo Bill's aria. It puts the lotion on the skin. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yes. All we got to do is get rid of Jodie Foster's absolutely horrendous southern accent. (laughs) Like literally is the worst thing I've ever heard. 
but <laughs> but I just think that it would be really interesting and I even think like a duet like I guess so, so if we're gonna go with Silence of the Lambs which I think might be a weaker option versus Hannibal but regardless would be so interesting to hear like a duet between the two characters like yeah you know what even if you couldn't do the opera a song cycle based on it like a, a two-person song cycle would be really good that would be terrifying. My only problem with the, like doing that as an opera is that there are so many set changes. There are so many place changes in that movie. Yeah, it would definitely be difficult to pull off. And I think it would have to be like highly condensed, which I think is why maybe Hannibal would be a better option than than Silence of the Lambs. But I just lo- I want to see those characters in an opera because I already feel like Hannibal himself is such an operatic character in general that it would just be really interesting to watch it. Yeah. That character be set to music. You know what kills me is thinking about... (laughs) There was a post where somebody was talking... I think about the TV show Hannibal, not the movie. But they were talking about the character of Hannibal Lecter. And they're like, how do they not figure it out? And they're basically talking about the fact that Hannibal's name is one letter away from cannibal. Mm -hmm. And he goes, oh, yes, I wonder who's been committing all these crimes. Ah, let me just go have dinner with my friend, Haggravated Hassault. <laughs> and I, it destroyed me. Oh, no. Haggravated oh. Hassault. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, you want to talk about another really, really wild movie that would not make a good opera, but like just, it's a cult classic. Oh, man, this is just merely me being excited about scary movies but if you haven't seen the movie creep i have not it is so good it is like the most bizarre horror film because you are like simultaneously very on edge but also it's like it's very smart it's kind of funny and like the ending like you are kind of just like wait what it's so good it's it's a it's a show where there's only two actors in it it's crazy i don't think that it would necessarily make a good opera but like Listen, 10 out let's of 10 riff off of this though what are the worst horror movies to adapt to opera uh number one any of the saw films Ooh. that just could not happen you can't brutally murder people on stage like that it'd be very very difficult yeah and honestly i think even if you did manage to do it well people would vomit um what else jason any of the jason movies can't have a lake <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. <laughs> Incredible. A giant mechanical shark on stage. It's not a mechanical shark. It's just like freaking left shark. You know what I mean? Like just straight up person in costume. Full body shark. I would love that as a parody though. Like that's like something that happens in the background of like a comedy show. Every time there's a comedy show, the kids put on a play that they shouldn't. It's either either way too adult or something that can't be adapted to the stage. So I love that as, like, the background in the TV show, Jaws the Opera. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Simply put, you can't hear over chainsaws. Yeah. But I watched Alien with Morgan the other day. Nope. <laughs> Where Michelle draws the line. I also, I was thinking about this because I... Agree with you that a zombie opera could be very, very interesting, but I also think it enters the realm of being either it's really well done or it's super cheesy. Um, and I just kind of feel like alien movies just wouldn't work. Like, I don't think that you could have an opera with aliens. Yeah, no, I, I think aliens, I don't think an alien movie would work at all. I, I don't think you could pull off the costuming well enough to actually freak people out. No, that's too much special effect. 
still waiting on our space opera. Just super cheese ball. Oh, you want to know what else? Like, this isn't even like, well, this would make a sucky opera because it's literally like a horrendously terrible film. Um, but Gerald's Game, to anybody who's ever been bored looking through Netflix oh, to no. find a, a horror movie, literally the worst movie ever <laughs> would make a horrible the opera. Term, the term degloving freaks me out. And so I can't. I can't. <laughs> Do you know what degloving is? No. It's the thing she does to her hand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not good. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think any alien movie would be very good. Uh, a Quiet Place. Terrible for opera. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the easily the worst. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> a Quiet Place, the opera. <laughs> yeah. What a... We should pitch that to the Met as like a <laughs> as an April Fool's Day post. Oh my god. Yeah. I think in general monster movies are kind of hard to pull off. Although I actually think if you wanted to, you could if you accepted that it was going to be campy. If you're going to have a campy opera, which by the way, there should be more. Some of Mozart's operas are kind of camp in my opinion. Yeah. Um and by that I mean they're over the top and exaggerated. I, I realize campy has a different meaning in different places. But when I say it, I'm talking about something that's so overt and over the top that it's a little bit silly. Um, but the Freddy movies, like, in, in that sense, like, it, nowadays they wouldn't really be that scary, but they could be kind of fun. Yeah. Ooh, it'd be interesting to just do a song cycle of, of horror villains. Ooh. Yeah, that would be interesting. Another style I don't know if you could pull off is, like, witches. Witch stuff. Oh, you know what? We didn't even talk about Crucible, which in its own weird way is a horror opera. But that's the horrors of humanity. I am convinced that at some point we will reach uh, we'll reach the point where there are color tourists hitting notes that some of the audience will be too old to be able to hear. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, another bad horror movie, uh, The Birds. The Birds would not work well on stage for the simple fact that birds... Well, Jesse, we had the rats. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't, I don't know what would be funnier, having a bunch of really fake weird bird puppets or uh, having people dressed as birds, just whacking the singers. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still stuck on Jaws. I think that that's really untapped potential. <laughs> yeah. I need my composers to get on that. Jaws the opera. Yeah. I guess the other thing is to look look very far back and see. Is there a Dracula? Go to like old old horror movies. I don't think so. And Dracula possibly makes the most sense, but I I understand why that would be difficult. I think if you did Dracula nowadays, it would probably take on more of the look of Interview with a Vampire than it would Dracula. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what the appetite for something like Dracula would be in the modern era. Jewels. <laughs> what jewels? vapes no 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 i mean no no i just meant i don't know how interested the public would be in seeing it i know but i want him to i want him to just be stealing people's vapes that's the real horror (laughs) that's just the great vape thief (laughs) yeah the horror is the guy who just can't stop vaping (laughs) a modern day horror tale anyways jesse why don't you wrap us up yeah, well, thank you guys for joining us for our spooky episode. This was a lot of fun just to goof around and talk about the possibilities because this is like a weird untapped area of opera. 
And I do think that there are options to make it more interesting. And I think a lot of them involve smaller companies and shorter operas and, and more interesting aspects of involving the public in, in how things are made. But if you have any ideas for like horror movies or horror novels that you think would make cool operas or even ones that you think would make terrible operas, please uh, let us know. Reach out to us. We're going to be asking uh, about that on our Instagram at Opera Offstage or on Facebook and Twitter, which are also at Opera Offstage. You can also reach out to us on our website, opera-offstage.com. So thanks for joining us this week and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.